Welcome to the Bagland Podcast. I am your unapologetic host, Bagland DP, where we showcase politics, tech, and tangibles. Sounds by Mike Titan. Contact me if you want to set up an appointment for beats and production. You need to be ASCAP and BMI registered. Tonight, we're promoting these black-owned businesses. Catwalk Fierce, the homegirl does uh, makeup. So if you ever need your face, you know, uh, put together, um, you go to Catwalk Fierce, get your makeup done. I don't know much about makeup, so she's an expert on that. Uh, www.beingblackinit.com. Uh, that is a book about being black in IT. So, you know, if you some brothers and sisters out there or anybody, um, you could get a bar of that. The book is on Amazon right now. There's also consultation and training. So we, uh, we do some training for the Microsoft Technology Associate Certification. Uh, a book recommendation, A Walk in Your True Path by Nakia Pearson on Amazon.com right now. Also, another black-owned business, 360 Life Clothing. So you want to get your gear up. That's some good gear. Uh, it's a black-owned business for luxury watches, which is tally and twine. Um, if you need some animation and marketing good, uh, done, go to www.greenroyalvideos.com. And also, um, there's a Chicago-based black-owned business, uh, www.black.co. So that's B-L-A-C-K-K-K.co. They got some good gear. And last but not least, we have some Comedic Science Clothing at the www.3150clothing.com. These boys is off the hook. They got some Comedic Science, some ancient Egyptian clothing. So... And I would like to introduce my humble host, Mr. Pearson. My name is Mr. Brent Pearson. I'm here to join in on the on the Badland podcast, and we're going to discuss a couple topics. And we're going to discuss a couple more topics, and we're going to discuss some more topics. Some more and We're going to drink beer, and we're going to talk shit, and we're going to get to it. Racist dogs. Now, I never thought that I have a conversation about dogs being racist. Now, you told me that you had a, a neighbor or it was somebody at your job that told you that his dog may be racist. I'm trying to figure this out now. Is it possible? It, it, is it possible? Now, what, what was the story on his dog? Well, the story was the dog was a little aggressive, had a work order, came in the unit, the dog was a little aggressive and um, wouldn't stop barking. I looked at the dog. The dog looked at me, kept barking. I guess the guy kind of blocked the dog and said, well, is my dog racist? <laughs> I think every, there was a couple black people that, you know, came in contact with the dog and the dog was always barking. Is my dog racist? Yeah, I, you know... That, that's kind of crazy, man. I, I don't know about that. Like, I always think back of the civil rights days where they start, where they had those you know, dogs, you know, barking and, and biting black folks and doing all of that, you know. But I always thought the dogs see in black and white. And you told him, you told him something too, didn't you? Like, you you explained something to him. You were telling him, this is what I explained to this man. I said, dogs cannot be racist. And he's like, huh? I basically explained to him, how can a dog be racist when the definition of racism is a class of people that have some economic hold 
or some resource that's withholding from another race of people and keeping that resource from them. Right. That's the definition. It took me many, many years and, 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 and thank the Lord for Dr. Claude Anderson. He's a godsend. Um, he, he, to me, he is what the civil rights leaders were supposed to be. No disrespect, you know, to, the, to, our, to our ancestors, but he, he, he's the truth. You know, he gives it to us. You know, he, he knows how social, what social, social integration is done. Um, it, it was not economic integration. And it just getting back, like, it took me 36 years now to find out what race is. I thought it was, oh, well, he just don't like me because, and that's not what it is. You know, it's about what you own and control. You know, so the dog has not committed any Jim Crow laws. The dog has not violated the 1866 uh, civil rights and or the Indian treaties. Um, the dog may have did a little barking. You know, he might want a doggy treat from time to time, but I don't believe he was involved in any uh, Jim Crow quasi post-slavery laws. So, you know. With that being said, I asked myself, and as I asked myself, I look at this little dog in the eye. And I said, what do you control, you little piece of shit? <laughs> what kind of dog was this? I have to ask you, what 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 kind of dog was this? Was this a, a Doberman? It wasn't a poodle. It was a little, little small little thing. But it's always the small ones you gotta watch out for because they the, like to take the ankles. Okay, so those are the the big, those are the the, uh, the small dogs, big bark, little bite. You know, it was, so he didn't have like, he didn't have like a Doberman or he didn't have like a German shit. He didn't have a canine dog. No dog. We were like, okay, this he is dog bites niggas. A dog you could put in a purse. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that dog wasn't racist. I don't like any dog that comes up to me barking. You need to sit and chill out. And people don't stop him a lot of times. Moving on over to old Jeff. Jeff tried to hang himself in his cell. Jeff Epstein. They're, they're giving him the... Some breaking news just came out where they said they were going to hide some documents from, from Jeff uh, back in some 2008 case. They're, they're really playing dirty. You know, they, they're not giving him the Bill Cosby and the R. Kelly treatment. You know, Jeff is running around. You know, they wouldn't let him... They wouldn't let him get out because he had all these passports. He had fake passports. So, Jeff is going to try to escape justice by trying to... Uh, put some injuries to his neck they, they're they're saying that he tried to do something to him you know in in, in, the, in the cell i want to know why he didn't finish the job <laughs> on himself so he could skip trial he don't want to save a lot of time but what he did now is he's going to try to say why well, can't stand for trial and you know some black guy beat me up or whatever well, they're, they're going to try to use that himself. Yeah, I don't he know looks, what to He looks like one of them from the old rednecks with a sawed-off shotgun with a Confederate flag on his house. Yeah, they. you know what? They got him in the same place. They denied him bail. And they gonna, he going to have the same pre-trial, I believe, as uh, El Chapo. Big shout-out to El Chapo. You know, uh, they always give El Chapo a bad name. You know, and like I always say in my podcast, you know, they say El Chapo was a horrible guy. And all of this, but you know what? He he ain't, he ain't sell no more dope than, than Ronald than Ronald Reagan, man. Shout out to El Chapo. El Chapo's out there in the Colorado ADX Supermax prison, so they put keep, him in a place where he can't break out. Keep digging them tunnels, man. You're gonna get out sooner or later. <laughs> He's gonna dig some tunnels. Okay, shout out to El Chop. Shout out to the Chop, man. Speaking of chops and bodies, uh, Reuters and ABC uh, News said that there is a chop shop. 
a human body chop shot in, in Phoenix. This is supposed to be a place where you donate your loved ones for experimental stuff. They send them on some human centipede shit. Like, they done found people's arms and legs connected together and all types of stuff. Let's look at this chop shop report real quick. Because when you start talking about human abductions and trafficking and, and stuff like that, now you're starting to wonder, like, where are these bodies going? You know, um, let's open this up right here. Now, look at this here. This is supposed to be a, a body donation center, right? So it's air, it's it's a Arizona based, it's a biological resource center, and they persuaded um, dying Americans to donate their bodies to science. And more than five thousand people have done this. So down here in Phoenix, Arizona, it looks like the FBI raided this place and they found body parts, brains, heads, all over the place. Like they're they're saying that it could be some suspected body trade. And it's not a regulated industry. They're called body brokers. So the business, uh, they have non-transplant, non-transplant tissue banks, and they're known as body, body brokers. And operations could resemble meat packing plants, parts from heads to fingernails harvested and sold, uh, cadaver training. I mean, this is, I don't know. Y'all might, I'm not gonna go too deep into this. I want people to find this out for themselves. This is on Reuters.com under uh, special investigative reports. The body business so th this is nuts so they're gonna probably try to keep this on the low you know we're not really gonna get a worldwide global news report about this too much they probably get slipped up and somebody probably sold somebody a brain or something crazy but you know what do you think about this man do you are do you don't think don't put donor on your id you're gonna make yourself a target that's hey, all man. Hey man, I agree. People need people need kidneys, people need livers. Yeah, I agree. Been, there are people that are willing to pay for that. Yep. They got money that will get you, you know, hit. So I advise, you know, all all black people to not not be a target. I agree. There's something down in Cuba. I don't know if you heard about this one. It was about brain scans of U.S. Embassy staff to Cuba may show abnormalities. There was a time at the U.S. Embassy staff in Cuba, they found out that it was 40 government workers. They scanned their brain and found out there was concussion-like symptoms. They're saying that there was a sonic attack. People said that they heard something like loud, shrill noises or crickets. Um, and they did a brain scan and found out that people were getting dizzy and all of that. So... I think back in Ferguson about this a lot. I think about how when black folks was out there protesting, they had these sonic wave devices that they were attacking us with. So it makes me think about Ferguson a lot when I hear about this. Those loud sonic, and these are military weapons. These aren't regular weapons that the police have. So are they testing stuff on people? Um, they say it sounded like cicada-like chirps, grinding. Um, it sounds like when you open up a window in a car, I don't like my Toyota, when you're driving it, I always tell them, I always tell my family that don't roll the windows down at a certain level because what, what starts happening is it, it, it's called uh, buffeting. Um, it's when you open up a car window, it's like an acoustic buffeting. It makes, it does something to my, my head. Like. One day, I'm gonna have you get in the car. We gonna take it on the freeway. You gonna see what I'm saying. You gonna be like, man, what the hell is that? It, it, it's like a weird sound. It's something with. They had an aerodynamic 
issue when they designed that car. They probably didn't take that on the freeway enough to find out how does it feel when you roll down the back window because it it's disoriented. You know, after a while, you feel like, damn, I want to pull over. You know, so uh, this is kind of under the radar as well. You know, they're saying that they really don't know what's going on. They're not sure about it. But, you know, I'm on the Guardian.com and uh, they, they covered it. So it might be an acoustic attack. Which brings me to my next point of huh? what type of new weapons the government are creating to deter masses of people, to control masses of people. And you know, what are what are they cooking up and cooking up in the basement? What's really going on? You know? Well and then you know like I'm wondering about the a whole Area 51 thing. Like I always make jokes about Area 51, but it's kinda like, you know, it's classified, but what what are all the regulations and the rules and laws of Area 51? You and I pay taxes. Right? The American public should be able to find out what's going on. If you got something that's such of a damn secret, that means you got something going on that's probably not right. You don't want people to know because you know it's not good. So my question is, what do you have going on in Area 51? You know? I, I wonder. It, it's, a, it's a whole lot of a whole lot of land, unfree land, you know? And when I start thinking about cutting the check, you know, Mary, maybe Area 51 could be the place that uh, black folks get their reparations. You know, hey, why don't y'all turn that over to us? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, but anyway, uh, Iran says they seized a foreign oil tanker in Gulf. You know, Iran's really getting a bad name here because they don't want to give up their nukes. Um, Iran recently, they had got a tanker that had been um, confiscated by... The British government. Iran had their own tanker that was taken. So there was a British ship that was sailing through their, their waters. And they decided, well shit. We about to take our, take our ship back. So they confiscated. They found them. Got them in their airspace. And gave them a call like, hey. Y'all going to get that up. So. That's the old spirit of old gun going on right there. You know. Uh, wild, wild west on the sea. Wild Wild West on the sea. That was a pirate move. And and what it's about is they probably told the Ayatollah, but listen, you got to give up your nuclear program. And he probably told him, you kiss my ass. You know. FYI, the U.S. doesn't want anybody to have any nuclear power because they want to be the superpower in this world. Yeah. But everybody else is going to give them the finger. China's going to give them the oh, finger. Oh, China. We owe China. We ain't getting nothing. We yeah, we are we're nothing. already in debt from China. China owns us. Yeah, yeah, on we a, can't on do a, from an economic standpoint. Uh, North Korea says screw you. Yeah, and then you know Donald is working with with North Korea. You got all that going on. Russia is coming back. Russia used to be an underdog. Russia's like, no, nah, let us in the game. We got some interest in this game here. And I'm wondering if Russia has anything to do with, with Iran. I think Russia was getting down with Syria at one point. I'm not sure. You know, but this is kind of interesting. This is very dangerous. We need to leave Iran alone because they ain't playing no type of games. They got nuclear weapons. They, they, they're not bowing down. This is where it is. If you look at this map here, the oil tanker reported seized by Iran near Larak Island. That's right by the Strait of Hormuz. The last known position of the oil tanker on July 14th, uh, the oil tanker is called Rhea, 
it looks like it's kind of going into the straight of horn moves you got uh Dubois there we got to make a trip out there man they said they got streets of gold like heaven or some shit or you know they say they a bottle of water is like ten dollars i don't know like they they say it's so clean like when i took the class to the data science center and uh out in microsoft and edina um they talked about how the sensors in dubai when you go into the airport they are able to tell the janitors went to go clean because of the sensors they could tell how many people were walking through the the restroom that's why you know it's just so clean there you know but they got all that they got that big bag you know what i'm saying but yeah, you know, Iran ain't playing no games, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I suggest we leave them alone, you know, because they, they ain't nothing, they, ain't, they are forced to be reckoned with. Um, Not just we, but the American government. Because right. what, what, what type of economical powers does black people hold in Iran right now? What type of business deals are we striking with them? None. What type of connection? You're right. So We're collateral damage. We ain't got nothing to do with it. You might as well just say old whitey. Needs to step but fall back and get put or get put in this place. Yeah, we we don't we, we, and see w when these decisions are made by the Amer you know by by the dominant society, the American people, you know we don't have nothing to do with it. You know all we can do is just sit there and pretend like you know our vote counts and all of that. You know, but I seen another article and this is kind of funny. This is a haunted hotel inside the former brothel serving nightmare fetishes. So you got a bunch of freaky ass ghosts. I'm thinking, like, <laughs> what you had some some paranormal <laughs> prostitution going on? <laughs> so let me get this straight. Not only are the dominatrix whooping ass, but we got an ass whooping from beyond the grave. <laughs> we done got some people under under the stairs prostitution going on. What do they sneak them sneak them under like a uh, like a, some stairs or something? Sneak them under some stairs, and that's crazy. That's in Colorado. Um, it's called the Black Monarch. It's a haunted hotel industry, and it's big business in Victor, Colorado. I don't. Where's Victor, Colorado? Let's see where that's at. Let's see exactly where that's at. That I ain't never song? heard no black folks say they going to Victor, Colorado. Let me see. Let's take a look at this here. Yeah, it looks like a haunted the question ass is, town. Are we safe if we go there? I don't know, man. You know, I hope safe it ain't for black folks to go there, and you know. Go on a nice vacation without getting messed with. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. You got some deer here. Let me see where it's at. Victor, Colorado. I heard Mr. ASAP is still still behind bars. Oh, let's let's get on that that plantation operative. Now, I, I don't never want to see none of our brothers in in uh in jail. But here's the problem, and we'll get back to this haunted horror hotel in a minute. But he went on talking about that old. You know that that's that, that kind of lightweight you know a kind of talk oh you know i'm not black i'm caribbean and i don't care about what happens in ferguson and then, okay all right well nigga. now now you want everybody to go out here and rally and oh i'm not al sharpton and i'm in these bitches draws and all that well, we'll have i'm in beverly hills with we'll have beverly hills support you nigga. Because what's going to end up happening is if if Trump gets him out, he's going to have to tap dance, and that's when the when the banjo and the butter biscuits comes out. He's going to have to tap dance because he's going to owe him one, and that's exactly what he's going to do. You know, so I don't know. They said that he was being harassed, and maybe he was. You know, we 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 have money, and we go to some of these European countries, and that doesn't stop 
um, some some dumbass. Like it, it was another situation that happened. Uh, what's his name? It's a brother that from Atlanta. Future. His bodyguard got hit in the head with a rock. I think they were in another country. I don't know. They did some sucker shit. Hit him. You know what I'm saying? Like black black folks who go over to these countries that are famous probably don't get the same reception as back in the day with like brothers like Miles Davis and because you remember at one point you know Miles Davis Marion Anderson folks like that they couldn't go to a hotel and play the hotel you know do the show and then go you know go and stay now think about that you go do a show and then somebody says well your money ain't green enough we ain't rocking with you we don't we don't we don't accept niggas so now you have to go find a hotel. Marion Anderson had to go stay with Einstein at a university because she couldn't get a hotel downtown. This was in New York, I believe it was. It wasn't in the South. You know, like I say, I'm not letting the North off with a pass. There's more sundown towns in the North. And the thing is, is, you know, they always want to talk about the South. We're we not going to do that here on the Bagland podcast. The North going to get that work. Bagland. Tangent. Anyway, um... Let's see, it's over here close to, where is it at? It's kind of by Colorado Springs. It looks like it's, uh, I digress. This is way over here. Victor, Colorado, we were talking about this haunted whorehouse. Um, it looks like it's a ways away. It, it probably would be dope though, man. You know, like, you'd be surprised. Some of these places that you go, some of these places, they, they may not be used to seeing a whole lot of black folks. They might show you a little love, but then they might be a place where they kind of like, I don't know. But as we know here, guard yourself. You gotta guard. You gotta. You You're know. You gotta come everywhere. It don't matter where you go in the United States of America. White supremacy is, is, is global, so we, we gotta be diligent wherever we go. I mean, we got more hate crime statistics here in Minnesota than, than anywhere. You know. So, but a shout out to Victor, Colorado, the Black Monarch Hotel, where they where they got some uh, some schemish, slutty ghosts going on. Um. These ghosts, these ghosts have no respect, they have no dignity, and they all they do is whooping ass all night. They say the, well, I was watching this Ghost Hunters and say the, what spiritual activity is highest at, like after midnight or some shit like that. I think it's 2, 3 in the morning, right? 2, two to 4 in the morning is the time where, where the ghosts start acting a fool. Ain't that, ain't that about booty call time? I think it's a little later, I think that time starts at 10 o'clock. But, um, either way, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that is around about the time. I mean, two, three in the morning. If you're, put it like this, 10 o'clock, that's, that's, that's the cutoff. That's, that's, that's when it, like, starts. Like, it's, 10 o'clock is pretty much, if you start and leave the home at 10 o'clock, then that's, the, that's the hour. That's the hours of the night. Now, when you start talking about two in the morning, I mean, that's it's going down like i mean i i can't see anything else going on at two three in the morning shoot around that's when people gonna start getting out the clubs yeah yeah so you know you know that cats gonna hang around for another hour on the streets if you make an appointment to two three in the morning that's you're not going to study out no yeah you're not gonna read the bible you're not gonna you're not gonna knit not gonna do none of that. You're not doing none of that. That is fornication. Buns in the bad land. Bad land. That is that is what they call what what, what they what, what they had. Smothered. Smothered. That, that's the the slut walk hour as they call it. You know. You know they I had like to call AM state. They had that. 
But I'm a vegetarian, so it's veggie style. You said veggie. <laughs> veggie steak. Veggie steak, all right. Uh, big shout out to James Harden and LeBron James. They're investing. A lot of these brothers are investing in uh, soccer clubs. You know, we got the new, newly designed Alliance Auditorium uh, over there in Frogtown. They're about to gentrify the hell out of that area. But these brothers have been investing, I believe, in soccer and football clubs, I think they said. So, you know, big shout out to them. That Soccer is arguably one of the largest sports in the world. It's the best sport in the world. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest. And, you know, no disrespect to, you know, the NBA and the NFL and all that. But, look, I'm really not too apt on going to a game. Maybe a Super Bowl I watch. But I'd much rather go to a soccer game. I'd much rather go to a soccer game, man. All right. So, what's going on in South Korea? They got that DMZ going on. Um, We definitely need to cover that. That's... Basically, it looks like South Korean jets fired warning shots at Russia. CEO of Moscow is at odds over alleged violation of airspace over disputed islands. South Korean jets fired 360 rounds of warning shots after a Russian warplane violated South Korea airspace. CEO officials have said in an announcement that they quickly disputed by Russia. So it was three Russian airplanes. T uh, two, two 95 bombers and an A-50 airborne aircraft. So, South Korea ain't playing no games either. That's that, that's another reputable, uh, you know, set, set of airspace right there. And like I said, they sent them scrambling. You know, uh, it says, according to South Korean government accounts, an unspecified number of South Korean fighter jets, including F-16, scrambled to the area and fired 10 flares. So they gave them a little warning. Then they hit them with 80 rounds from machine guns as warning shots. They hit them, they hit them up a little bit. You know, they ain't knock nobody down, but they just kind of that's warning shots. We letting you guys know, you know, this is fair ground. Get out of my airspace. Take your monkey ass out of my airspace. F-16. Aren't those American air jets? Sound pretty American to me, Bob. Them are some American air jets, man. Who sold them them air jets? You lying to the American people. Follow the money. Yeah, follow the money, man. You'll find it. You know, just like the wire. All right. So AOC. Let's see what she's talking about here. We got another article, you know, on CNN fake ass news. Two Louisiana police fired over Facebook posting suggesting that AOC should be shot. That's the Puerto Rican politician out there. She's a Democrat. She did a little tap dancing around reparations when they asked her. She did a whole lot of tap dancing, but you know, I digress. That's these Louisiana police. Now think about this. These are people that were sworn in the law talking about causing harm to an elected official. They wasn't civilians like us. These was folks that are supposed to be protecting people. That, that would be considered an act of terrorism. That's an act of terrorism. They should be in prison. They, they should, should be, be in, prison. in prison right now. They should be sitting in prison. They should be sitting in prison, you know, with their little bird beaks. That's exactly what they should be doing. Um, so I think they, they fired them. But see, a lot of times with the police department, they could go to another parish or another county or another state and get hired elsewhere. Just like 
I believe it was Yanez or it was uh what was the cop? What was the name? The cop that killed uh, uh Mike Brown down in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, what was his name? This punk Let's look it up. Let me see. Let me let me look up his name. Let's look his name up. I can't remember his name. So let, let's look him up. Alright. Yeah, see. So let me look at this case here. And I don't know if you've seen, I believe it was called Strange Fruit. Darren, Darren Wilson's old hoe ass. Him. He, they say that, I believe it was him that had prior situations you know prior to shooting him he already had a bunch of problems at the force so a lot of these officers will do shit and then they'll jump from force to force so they'll continue on their uh sanctioned rampages against you know the black community you know so they these assholes should be fired on a low level and, concept or get jailed. It reminds me of my old job when there was a problem with the certain employees in the area that I was working. They wouldn't remedy the issue. They would, uh, if a guy wasn't working and he was being lazy or, there was a, or he wasn't doing his job at his area, yeah. they would just, you know, move him around. They wouldn't, you know, come up with tangible solutions to remedy the problem. Right. And have everything run smoothly. They just send them somewhere else. Hmm. So on a larger scale, you know, this blue coal BS, they're really not doing anything. Just send them, send them somewhere else and they can do the same thing. Right. Yeah, that, that that's that's a common thing at work and just in the dominant society itself. You know, to basically, you know, they're not trying to eradicate the problem. And, and I'm going to show you this article. We'll get into that. You know, if not this this section, you know, we'll cover it offline. But it was talking about just like that book that Dr. Claude Anderson wrote, uh, a black history reader. It talked specifically that um, it was it was some white guy that wrote a book and he had referenced him in that book. And it was talking about how the, the United States government, just, just dominant society in general, specifically they have it set already. It's called like structural unemployment, where they specifically set a certain side of people that's just going to be unemployed anyway. Which means that, okay, you take a bunch of black folks as unemployed, you still have people that got it set up to where you're just not going to get the job anyway. You know, so, and I'll show you where that is too. Um, kind of like how I uh, try to get that, 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 that street maintenance job. Which job? That street, that street maintenance job out in uh, Moundsview that I, that I applied for. Right. And, you know, had went through a phone interview, two interviews, didn't get the job. And it seemed like to me the stuff that I'll be doing at the job, they could teach that to anybody. Well, they might have had somebody else. It could have been somebody else that they had, you know, planned. But... Who knows? It, I mean, it, 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 ain't, it ain't no telling. It ain't no telling why you didn't get that one. That, that could have been, you know, because I've been in certain positions where I had one interview, they said, well, no, nah, we're not interested. 
you don't have the qualifications. But then they brought me back three weeks later and they told me, well, why don't you, you know, why are you kind of like, why are you here? And I'm like, y'all called this interview. So they, they were both kind of, these guys were just sitting there kind of get stuck at a standstill. Somebody felt that I had the qualifications. The other person I felt like I didn't. Everything that they had there was, I was qualified for, you know. And, it, you know, it was a, it was like a data center position. And, you know, actually one of the students actually worked there. So we'll talk about that offline. But um, one thing we're going to cover real quick, and this isn't one of the articles that's one of the news articles, you know. We try to make this an investigative study thing. We try to uh, bring some commentary that, that makes sense. And one thing we were talking about earlier was moochers. Um, this is an actual classification, you know, and you have a lot of moochers in society right now. And you were telling me about, you ain't got to necessarily mention names, but you know, you could kind of give me your synopsis on your definition of mooching and because because you know most of the time when you look at the moochers it's usually people you know a moocher is usually not somebody you don't know you know so mm -hmm. so know. with that being said let me uh give you a little detailed background information um trying to help a friend out we had a six-month plan for them to get their paper up so they can upgrade themselves to a higher level and, you know, get their life together. That right. six-month turn into eight months with, you know, no backup plan, not saving any money. They said they needed another three, another two, three weeks. I told them, you're done at the end of the month. Time to go. Time to go. So, which brings me back to a point. Why are they mooching? Why can't they get it together? You give somebody an opportunity and the time to uplift themselves, but they want to be stuck in this level because they don't they don't want to take responsibility. It like you said before, it's easier to do nothing and have somebody take care of you. Yeah. Than to actually go through the motions of getting to that higher level because that requires work. Yeah, with, it's with with anything in life. If you want something, it requires constant work and dedication. And some people have it, and some people don't. Yeah, they don't. But and just for the basic necessities, having your own place, having a car, um, food on the table decent job all these things require uh dedication and confidence and above all common sense some people don't have that either so how do we remedy this issue well i think i think the bigger thing it's it's a social psychological issue you know this issue likely starts from childhood this issue likely starts from parenting the household where did this person get the idea that they could get up and some of these moochers are full-time employees they could get up they could go to work and they could mooch it's a parasitic predatory psychological socioeconomic behavior 
you know, um, they're not thinking about the bills that you have to pay. They're not thinking about the fact that it might violate and vindicate and, 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 and override your uh, personal space and peace and serenity. They're, they, they don't care about that. So it's a self thing. It's about, you know, I don't want to put my dime in, but I want to take out 25 cents from yours. It's the empty cup syndrome, you know. So what they end up doing is they overwhelcome their stay. You give them two feet and they take two meters. You give them two millimeters and they take three centimeters. You give them an acre and then now they want the island. You see what I mean? But they're not willing to put in the work for the island or they're not looking at it like I want to go get my own. So they end up just becoming a mooch. And the mooch syndrome starts, like I said, it starts early and it's like a fungus. It starts to grow. And then when you tell them no, they cop an attitude. Oh, I ain't even want to even be in this funky ass apartment anyway. You know, you, you get that talk. Which, which the next question is, why are you here? Why are you here? Well, there's the door. Well, I can do better. I hope the door is more comfortable than, you know, How about my, a park my apartment and my, my free festivities. So, had yeah. a had a roommate that couldn't get it together. One of the issues was transportation wanted me to get him a, a lift for him all the time and I said well okay you'll pay me back right. but that's not the point the point is why are you constantly needing to borrow money from somebody because you can't provide transportation for yourself why you want somebody to put their debit card information on a app to give, to give you a ride two three times a week every week What's, what's really going on? Why don't you have your own debit card? Why don't you have money set aside for your transportation needs to get you to and from wherever you need to go? It, it's real easy to be the mooch. The mooch can smoke. They can sit around, eat snacks, popcorn, and you're at work and you come home and they still doing the same thing. See, when you stand with somebody, you're supposed to get up earlier than the person that, that you're living with. And you're supposed to get your behind up supposed to go you, you when you're the mooch the classification of a mooch the moocher is supposed to be getting up and they're supposed to have several jobs they're supposed to be working two jobs at least at all times to to make sure not netflix and chill they're supposed to be getting up and doing their own thing so when they leave you they leave one parasite they're like a mosquito and they go and they transmit their mooching and they hear the saxophone and no oh, i ain't got nowhere to go and they, they got a lot of that going on, you know, so shout, shout out to the mooches, man. It's, it's too easy for the mooches. Um, one of the biggest highlight cases that I really want to showcase in this podcast tonight was a article on ProPublica, and it talked about um, how a lot of black folks' land was stripped from them. Now, I think everybody should go on ProPublica.org and look this up. It's about... Harris property rights. The South had something called Harris property rights at one point in time where a lot of black folks after the 1900s, what they started to do, they didn't they didn't uh, trust the dominant white supremacist society with their land. When we came up out of slavery, we started to buy our own land because 
Andrew Jackson's rapist pedophile ass took the land back after Spain granted us the land. See, a lot of people don't know that about Florida. Spain granted us the land because they were in bankruptcy themselves. So the Union whooped the Confederates' ass and basically said anybody that participated in the activities, you know, in the war, they would get they would get land. So it was, you know, it was white folks that was going to get some land, but it was also um, black folks that were enslaved. They were promised 40 acres and a mule. Then they were promised another four to five million acres of land. That land was supposed to have been given to by Spain. So Spain said, all right, black folks, you're going to get this land. They honored their part of the deal. What ended up happening is Andrew Jackson, or the Johnson, Andrew Jackson, the president, what he did is he took the land back. He violated the Indian treaties. He violated a constitution of law. And that's one of the main reasons why we should get reparations. This was a, a crime. This was a violation of law. He took the land back and he gave it back to the slave owners and put us back on the field after slavery was already barred, right? So what black folks did is in the early 1900s, they started buying up land. We, we accounted for about 16% of landowners. You've seen the movie Rosewood. We'll get into that later. Remind me. But when it was happening was a lot of black folks had this land and they didn't have wheels, but they had what was called to be hares property rights. So you had a lot of black folks that had land where, let's say I got some land and you're my brother. Then, you know, or mom, it's mom's land or grandma's land or whoever's land. Let's say they pass. The land is our land, right? It's our property. But let's say I'm sick or I'm in North Carolina and you're there. A lot of developers were going into that land in North Carolina and saying, hey, Brent, this is waterfront property. We want to pay you about three tickets for it. Three million sounds like a lot. So what ends up happening is you sell the land without my permission. There was no will. So if I go back to protest and say, well, Brent sold the land, they're like, well, you didn't have a will. And you're like, well, I owned it. I did own it. I rightfully own that land by law. But because of Harris property and wills, we lost 90% of the farmland between 1910 and 1997. So it's that that whole thing that was going on around, like it says it right here, it says for black families after the Civil War, four million people were free from slavery. And there was peonage and all that, so that old Juneteenth bullshit, that's a lie. But anyway, I'm here to dis dispel that myth right now. The Union Army General, uh, William Sherman, he met with 20 black ministers in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, he issued a special field order declaring 400,000 acres held by the Confederates to give into the African, to the black folks which was AKA 40 acres of the mule. And it was really a brother that put that all together, but I'm just saying. Um, then Congress passed the Southern Homestead Act and opened up another 46 million acres of land. But they didn't, you know, the US, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they, you know, they lied. In 1876, around re end of reconstruction, only 5% of black families in the deep south owned land, right? So, like I said, that land was stolen from us and then what ended up happening, Brent, was uh, it was a situation kind of like, um, let me see, well, let me go down there and look at the article. I'm having a problem with my mouse here. Okay, so 
it looks like what ended up happening was just give me a second here it, it was a specific word it, it, it was a specific word the Torrens Act it was a law called the Torrens Act and what that did is that messed up up for black folks to be able to hold on to the land so what happened is remember that picture that I sent you there was a picture here that showed you what type of land this was. It, it was a beautiful piece of land. This is the land, that's the waterfront property right there. Million dollar mansion. This is stolen land. They can't say that we don't deserve reparations. This is stolen land. So what the developers did, they came in, they bought the land and they locked up two brothers that would not give up their land. They couldn't send them to prison because they weren't convicted of a crime. How can you lock somebody up for eight years, but they haven't committed a crime? They haven't committed. They haven't been convicted of a crime. They couldn't send them to prison. They sent. They had them sitting in the county jail for eight years. North Carolina. Kind of. Kind of how they did. Uh... Khalif Brown and, and that, that other guy yeah. from Senegal when they when they put both them guys in Rikers Island. Yep. And, uh, Khalif was in there for what was it, 18, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, they, they had they had him crime? in there for no, yeah. they had him in there three years, I believe, in Rikers Island. They had him in there three. Look, look at this beach right here. That's prime property, Brent. Now I think they got some of it. These are the brothers right here. You know, you could tell, you could look at them and see that that, that you know, they still in their brother's land, they broke that. It broke them. Look at this beautiful land. So yeah, that that was that land was was great. And you know, whenever you hear somebody like I, I hear people in public. A lot of times they want to talk to me about you know, well, Trump is racist and this, that, and the third. And you know, what do you think about that? And you know, a, a lot of white people will ask me that type of stuff. You know, what do you think about Trump? And I'm just kind of looking at them like. I don't give a fuck about Trump. What's your stance on reparations? I'm, 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 what I'm asking about is what I think about you. You're already my oppressor. Trump's just another oppressor. Well, you, you know, if you, if you're, if you're white and you're poor, you're pretty much in the same class as me, even if you get hired first. But if what Trump has done is he didn't put poor white people in the nigger class, so I wonder how it feels to be a poor or middle class white person and feel like a nigga. He done treated, he done got poor white folks in kind of the, you know, in the nigga class. So when you ask a black person, well, what do I think about Trump's racism? I've been dealing with racism my whole life and white supremacy my whole life. So my, my question to them now is, what, what is your stance on reparations? And usually when I ask that question, a lot of them, you sit there with the deer eyes. Well, you know, uh, I don't know and you know they start talking about hope and they start talking about it had nothing to do with me and all that listen I don't want to hear nothing no Trump ain't racist you is that, that that's that's kind of my whole little stance when they what is your stance on reparations because these are these are treaties and these are unconstitutional laws that's been violated these civil rights acts that were passed in the 1800s were for us it wasn't for any other human being but us because we were the only ones considered to be three-fifths of a human and these are facts Emotion, we get to leave motions to, to the side, you know, so I, I don't want to talk about it. They always get that. Oh, Trump's racist and I don't want to hear it. 
What's your stance on reparations to get us right? The main point is not trouble. The main point is uh, justice, for, justice for African people and uh, white supremacy in America. Well, when you start, once again, when, when they use that term racism, they, they probably don't know. Racism was started in the early 1500s. It was a public edict made by one, by one of the popes, right? So when you start talking about racism, they were talking about us. When, they, when they're talking about the 1600s, the 1700s, the 1800s, they were talking about black people. So when you talk about racism, then you need to talk about us because we were the first victims of racism. You know, so, you know, I, I don't, when they start talking about that, I'm not interested in having that conversation because then it just becomes, you know, I, I don't, I don't like talking about that, you know, because they're, they're not going to talk about, they're not, they want to talk about hope. They don't want to talk about repairing what, what was promised. Nobody wants to talk about that. Well, the only way they're going to understand is they're in the same position, but you're not in the same position because you're not us. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen. You, you to, didn't. So you don't have to be. You don't have to feel responsible. And like the next topic we were talking about, what was what police can you trust? I seen in uh, a, a post of it was six police that was throwing up the white supremacist side. It looks like they're throwing up blood, but they're not. You see what I'm saying? They're throwing up a white supremacist sign. These are people in the police force. You know, and it goes back to if you go back to slavery days, that's what the police force was designed for. All the police that are halfway decent police know who the white supremacist police are because it's a white supremacist station. That's the base. The base was to uphold white supremacy. So when you say what police can you trust? Well, you know, I mean, you don't know how they're going to react towards you. You know, when you get pulled over, you're really not sure where this guy, how, how he's thinking. You didn't pull him over. He pulled you over. So you don't know exactly how he's going to feel about you. So that's why they ask these ignition questions. The questions, where you're going? Where are you coming from? If you really think about the psychology behind that, they know that black men don't like to be questioned about stuff like that. They know that we get little flashbacks. Hold up. That sounds like slave papers to me. You know, that sounds like you want to know what plantation I came from. They're trained to ask these specific questions to, to, to get us in attitude so the situation escalates. When you're asking me where I came from, it ain't none of your fucking business. When you're asking me where I'm going, it definitely ain't your fucking business. If I haven't been subject to a crime. So where I'm going and where I'm coming from has nothing to do with you pulling me over because you said I had a broken stoplight. But like I said, that's plantation talk to me. When you start talking about where I'm coming from and where I'm going, now you're asking me about my whereabouts. That's not probable cause. You're harassing me. But they do that because they, they know that we feel like, hey, look, hey, man, don't be asking me all that. They, they want that escalate. They want the reason to be able to murder you with impunity. And I that, answered. I answered that questions because I didn't have time to deal with that to shit. To deal, to get an attitude, to try to check you, to get into a dialogue. I got things to do. Like I told the guy, hey, I'm going way out in the boondocks, man. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get gas. Yeah. 
Now, a lot of people ask me, oh, why are you going way out there? Then I told them, okay, none of your don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. And they're not supposed to be asking you that anyway, but just now, now you're reaching. You know, and I think a lot of them, a lot of them, once they feel like that you fear them, then that's when they escalate. But then sometimes they'll be like, well, damn, he's not scared. Then they start getting scared. Because let's be very honest. If they did not have that power, that badge, they wouldn't really be able to go toe-to-toe with the average black man on the street. I mean, they get their ass mopped. It would be a Mr. Clean situation every time. 70% of officers, if they were to take that badge off, they would get their ass whooped. It would be no question. These brothers in the street got hands. See what I'm saying? It wouldn't be no, you know, so, but they try to escalate it as much as they can. You know, most of the time when I get pulled over, I just kind of be like, you know, to a minimal. I don't want to talk about the weather and all this. I didn't have some encounters that went okay. Uh, you know, but like I say, I try to minimize my conversation with them. I don't really try to talk to them. I'm not their friends. They're not my friends. I'm you know, I'm not really trying to have a long, drawn-out conversation. You know, I'll say hello. Here's my ID, um, and, and that's about it. And then a lot of times when they pull me over, I'll say, "How much is my ticket?" They'll be like, "What?" Yeah, let's get this process going. Either I get a ticket or I don't. But it's really just a a matter of them, you know, keeping their quotas of black folks. You know, the value of a soul. It's a priceless value. You were telling me about an incident in which some 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 girl you knew that was kind of playing the Margaret Sanger a little bit. You know, um, I, I stayed relatively uh, quiet about you know the whole this whole abortion thing, which is really silent now. I don't hear much about it as much, but. Um, Cause I'm a man, so I, you know, I don't really know how women feel. I just hear their pains about how they feel about it. But you were telling me about um, a conversation you had with some woman about it. So her idea was, if uh, a parents that grew up in the poverty. Or grew up in a bad situation. The the death of the child is justified, and it is not murder. Mm-hmm. If the woman decides to go ahead with the abortion, okay. And I basically told her, "Don't pee in my face and tell me it's raining." A ki- killer is a killer. A murder is a murder. A death is a death. Right. Any way you cut it. You're trying to sugarcoat the point. And the point is, should a child not be given a chance and die because a woman feels like, well, I can't take care of the child? Why not just adopt? If you feel like you're going to kill the child anyway, why don't you just give the child away and give give them a shot? Well, if she, if, if she has birth. Her argument will probably be this. If I have birth and then, you know, you see you see a living, breathing soul in front of you, you gonna, you might be thinking like, well, damn, I don't want to give this up now. But, you know. Well, you're killing them anyway. Well, that's that's not. 
when you hear people say that, what they'll, their justification, they don't even want to admit that it's murder. They'll say, well, it's not here, so it's therefore not a life. So what she was, what she was talking about is lightweight Margaret Sanger eugenics. The child's not going to have a good life, so... Save them. So, so, so they shouldn't be here. So my synopsis was, let's say, and this is what the Nazi Germany did before. They said, okay, it was Nazi Germany or somewhere in, in Europe. This was the same argument that Dr. Shockley tried to make with Dr. Francis Cress Welding. Well, they're poor, so you might as well get rid of them early. But she didn't have no fucking money. This woman you're talking to wasn't a millionaire. So let's say I'm a millionaire, right? And she meets me. I got money. I got stock. I got options. I got, I got everything that, that could potentially take care of a child, right? And I meet her and she says, well, you know, I work at fucking McDonald's or some shit. And I'm just like, you, we might as well wipe you out. That's eugenics. You're, you're not fit to be here because you ain't really got no money. I do. I should be here. You shouldn't even be here. Her argument is going to be, well, the child wasn't here yet. Well, okay, well, that's something you got to take up with whoever your religious deity is. But the whole statement that it wasn't alive, and see, that's why when she tried to tell you that science crap, was like, okay, well, if we want to talk science, let's talk science. Ever since you got a heartbeat, and even before that, the child's alive. And that's the thing that people don't want to admit. They want to, if we take the emotion completely out of it, and we just say, all right, is this a living, breathing thing? It's, it's not here on the earth outside yet, but it is a live, living and breathing thing. So when you say, well, it's not fit, it's, it's within the same lie. I mean, eugenics, that's the Margaret Sanger theory. That was the whole thing where she got the black preachers to get involved to say, let's wipe a whole lot of black folks out. If you notice, there's not a lot of Planned Parenthood places in affluent areas. They always put them where there's poor people because they say we're not fit to live. And Shockley got his ass kicked by Dr. Uh, Francis Crest Welsing when he wanted to use eugenics for us. So when she brought it up, she said, what do you feel about white people? He really didn't want to admit it, but he finally had to kind of come along. He tried to use this bell curve and all this crap. This is the guy that created the transistors or whatever. But Welsing ate his ass alive in that debate. You should go on YouTube and look it up. But that's that eugenics talk. That's that Margaret Sanger eugenics talk. Because ultimately, let's, let's be very honest. If she gets pregnant, she could just be like, well, Brent, your opinion don't matter. Fuck you. Kiss my ass, nigga. Get on somewhere. I'm a woman. I can choose what I want. She could do that. She could legally do that. She could, she could tell you to go fuck yourself. And you can't do nothing about it but be unhappy. She has that right. So, now, after she does it, she's probably not going to feel too great about it. Right? That's a given. She's probably not going to feel well about it. But the fact remains that it was a life. A lot of folks don't want to admit that it was a life. They just don't. They won't do it. Because they don't want to accept At least just say, yeah, you know, I, I did it. I, you know. They don't want to accept responsibility. They don't want to accept. Easy, it's easy to sugarcoat it and say, oh, they're, 
it's not alive so they don't have to feel the pain. Well, I bet you, I don't know what color she was, but oh, you think you said she was Asian or something. Like, let's, say she, let's say she was Japanese. And you told her, well, shit, if what you're saying is true, the Japanese internment, shat, internment camps were fit. There was internment camps for the Japanese, which by, by, by fact, they did get reparations for that. But they put them in, in, in concentration camps because the dominant society saw them as unfit. So once again, if I say I'm a rich man and she walks up to me and says, hey, you know, I like your shoes and all that, I could tell her, listen, you ain't got nothing. I don't want nobody like you. Why are you even, why are you even, why do you exist? That, I'm saying that's the concept of eugenics in a way. If you were to ask her what, how much money she has, how much stock she has, how much does she worth, she's probably not going to be what the dominant society would say is equ- e- equates. So there's people that would actually think, like how she thinks, she says, well, you don't add any value unless you're a servant. Why are you here? That's, I'm saying that's eugenics. That, that's eugenics. The, the, the eugenics was based on, it's just like in Nazi Germany. And it's just like the Black Holocaust, which we survived for over 400 plus years. If we cannot control and own you, then we'll wipe you out. That's why the Klan was, was born. So it's kind of, it, 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 it's eugenics in a sense. We could systematically annihilate you because you don't matter. You're poor, you're black or whatever. You know, you're a colored person, whatever the case it may be. You do not matter. So I, I say, at least admit it. Say, okay, you know, it's an abortion. I, I killed a child. They won't say that. They won't, they, they won't say that. I'm, I'm not really taking the position on you. Like I said, you have to deal with, with uh, your fault on your own. You're going to have to answer to God or it could be Buddha or Allah or whoever you pray well, to. What if they, well, what if they don't believe in any God? Well, then you just got to be sad about it or in pain or whatever, whatever comes next. I've heard stories that women hear screams. I've heard that before. They regretted it or I hear screams. That's because the physical body is in, in, in sync with the conscious body. It was a life. So if you heard screams afterwards, that was a baby crying or whatever it was. It was a life. You got folks running around still talking about it wasn't a life. So, like I said, if you were in Nazi Germany and they rolled you up with boats and trains and said, you are a problem. You don't have money. We don't like your ethnicity. Whatever it is, we are annihilating you because you should not be here. That's I'm saying that's the concept of eugenics. You look her up, Margaret Sanger. Bill uh, Hillary was a huge supporter of Margaret Sanger, huge supporter. Uh, she was the Planned Parenthood queen. She's the one that started this whole thing. We need to annihilate the black race. That was their whole thing. But this was in the 1900s, I believe. You got to think. White supremacists really, really got on edge once they found out that black folks couldn't work for free. That's why the Jim Crow. They they tried everything they possibly could do to undermine us. Because we weren't going to work for free anymore. 
when it was outlawed, they figure out, well, we, we got to do something. We don't want them to drink. We don't want them to be able to get federal loans. We, we have to do everything to undermine these black folks because we know that they were kings and gods from ancient Egypt. We know that. But let's convince them otherwise. So they started coming with eugenics and they started coming with all this other crap. And that's why I say what I said, what I said, bro. Like, you know, let's be very honest. If you were to ask her that question and say, if I have money and you and I have more money than you, should you exist? She would tell you, well, no, you shouldn't be able to kill me. You shouldn't be able to do that to me. You shouldn't be able to. Well, the same thing applies. But the reason why she'll say it doesn't apply is because the child's not here yet. And that's the argument. You know, um, but. It is, the child is here, you know what I mean. Whether it's the, the child, whether, not it's, in the whether world. it's not in the physical physical form, or it's not even fully formed, or if the child's like that, right, not right in front of you, the same concept applies. Life is life. They, that's not a concept that they apply. The, the, well, the, they're the, not. They're not. They're not looking for the truth. And another thing she was saying, she was talking about science and finding the answers to the truth. Well, when you're sugarcoating. Uh, and saying that, oh, it's not alive. Well, does science say that it's it's not alive? Science will tell you it's grown. There's a life there with the soul. Well, that's a scapegoat now. That's a blanket statement now. So she started talking it's, about it's, science. It's, well, it's, if, it's, let's talk science. It's being a Is hypocrite. This alive or not? It don't, it's you're hypo you're being a hypocrite because it works for you. Then you say it works for you. Just say, hey, look, I believe in this. Because I don't want to have this child and, I, you know, I mean, I didn't, it, it wasn't, well, I was getting ready to say it wasn't premeditated, but when you think about it, it was, it kind of is. Like, you it have to think about whether you're going to kill this plans. child. You, you made plans. You made plans. doctors. It's you called planned appointments. It's called planned parenthood. Pre it is premeditated murder. It's planned, you know, but because it's not here, you know. But my whole my whole point is is it's it's eugenics. That argument is eugenics. It ain't no debate about it. It's eugenics. Whether you now I'm not saying that she's saying in well I want to I want to just kill a child maliciously. Whether it's a malicious act or not. I don't think that was her point to say I'm trying to harm a child on purpose. You are. I'm saying you're doing it, but I'm saying I don't think that was the intent. But just admit what it is. It's, it's a eugenic concept. You're not fit to be here because the money may not be right. The parents may not be good as whatever you deem to be. If you were a rich person and you told her the same thing at her age now, if you were to say you are not fit to be here because you don't have the right color, you don't have the right bank account, you need to not exist. She would lose her mind and call you a murderer. Shout out to the Indian farmer shocked as a suspected meteoroid crashes into a rice field. So a football-sized object landed in a paddy in the Beer Hill State. Um, they say a fireball came from the sky. Um, I'm really into, I enjoy uh, science fiction a lot. And, you know, I just think that, you know, when you hear about these meteoroids and fires from the sky, that's normal. There's probably a million meteoroids that landed to the ocean, landed to the land all the time. And um, this one ended up in uh, 
in 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 uh what's it called? This one ended up in um Eastern India. In in yeah, in India. So the last one that I actually seen was in Russia and it was a super super dope uh piece of uh or a piece of footage that I seen and um I think that happened maybe over like 4 or 5 years ago and so so what it, they do with it Um well that's what I'm trying to find out they say let's see they, I think this is it right here this looks like this is it and meteors fall from the sky all the time so let's just be glad that it didn't hit nobody's car you know so that's pretty dope um, the next thing that I want to talk about, and I sent this to a couple of the homies, just so people could know. This went through a lot, went over a lot of people's heads. Um, this was an executive order. One was signed by Clinton, one was signed by Barack, and one was signed by Donald J. This was issued on uh, May 13th, an executive order on an economic empowerment of Asian Americans and Pacific, Pacific Islanders. So the policy says that uh, over 20 million people are Asian, American, or Pacific Islanders reside in the U.S., and they expect, um, you know, a 40 million individuals to increase by 2060. So you really got to look at this. When it comes to these reparations questions, when we talk about black folks and stuff like that, we got a lot of side talk from the Democrats telling us, well, you have to vote for us and all this BS. And they want to tap dance around the question and all that. I'm not trying to hear it. You have executive orders that have been signed by the last three commanders and chiefs that are specific for a group of people, specific for a race of people. So all this black folks are racist because they want reparations, that's a bunch of bullshit. This is it, this is the proof in the pudding right so here. So this is an advantage for Asians, the specifically from, for the islands, but no, yet they all say Asian keep the Americans Mexicans and out. Pacific Islanders, which means Guam and all of that, they're saying around the world, this is an executive order to specifically help economically empower them. It's an executive order. This is this is that same thing that Andrew uh, Johnson or Andrew Jackson, that president, did. He took he took the military and stole the land back. He violated the 40 acres in the Mule Spain Treaty Agreement. Spain sold the U.S. the state of Florida. Did you know that? A lot of people don't know that. Nope. They stole the land from from the black folks down there. So that's what I'm saying. That, that was an executive thing. That was a violation. That was a heinous, sadistic crime. This right here is also a violation of the Constitution. Because in 1864, the Civil Rights Act, it specified that we're supposed to be in a protected class, just like American Indians, Native Americans. They, they got a little bit of reparations. They didn't get much. But they got something. You know, they owe them too, still. But they didn't, you know, they got them something. They'll give them a little money per month and casinos and, you know, they wiped them out and gave them a little something. They didn't give them much. But we got nothing. This is pretty much reparations for Asian Americans. It ain't no two ways about it. This is, uh, this is an executive order. It was passed on May 13th. So, you know, we just really got to think about stuff like this. I mean. Make sure to send that, uh, send that link. Text that link to me. Definitely. Definitely. It's, uh, and it actually, it supersedes Executive Order 13811, September 29th, 2017, and Executive Order 13515, October 14, 2009. See? Yeah. This, you know, Clinton, Barack, Trump. Can't, can't, this is from the White House. 
This is from the White House. This is a this is a form of reparations. This is a reparation plan. So, you know, people be talking about the wall and ice, and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. We should be getting an executive order. Black folks should be raising hell over this. We should be getting an executive order. You know, so I'll send you that link. I just want the Bagland podcast family to know about this, man. This is this is crazy. Future space travel. All right. So we got some millionaires. They want to go to outer space. More power to them. I'm keeping my behind down here. But they're saying that if you want to go to outer space, uh, it'll cost you some tickets. Um, so far, a couple people, it's like uh, some billionaire went out there. He paid about 35 tickets. Um, Bigelow Aerospace, they're doing private astronaut, um, you know, you go out to outer space for about 52 tickets. Um, they got 90-minute flights in the upper atmosphere from Virgin Galactic. Uh, that's going to cost you about a quarter ticket to, about a quarter ticket. So you'd be in, you know, to 90 come, minutes to, out there. To come right back down where they're already supposed to be. What yeah. insanity is that? Well, that's just man playing God once again, you know. But we um, can't. We, 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 yeah, we could play God for about two seconds. And then realize that we're not God. You well, know what I mean? Like, they, they're talking about actually getting space stations out in space and doing all of that. It's interesting technology, real dope for concepts when it comes to, to Hollywood. But when you really think about far as, you know, people, um, just in general, like me is personally, bro, like if it ain't nothing about satellites, communications or something, I, I don't, I wouldn't spend my money. When I know that there's people that starving, this whole thing about you know the world and all of this and but that but that's but that's my but what I get is of course you're spending that money because you don't care about other people you would if if you if you cared about other people you would do what's really important instead of doing these you know things that are not even necessities they're they're doing it because they got the money they got the money to blow off when they want to go in space i think when people get a certain amount of money the god complex might come in black panther in that movie i mentioned something where remember his dad told him a king it's hard for a king to be a good man you see what i mean you may want to be a righteous man but like i remember back and I think mom told us about this many years ago, but it was, it was some biblical text, though. But it was talking about how, like, the Israelites, they wanted to be king. They wanted a king. God told them, no, you don't need a king. If you get a king, you're going to get a tyrant. They kept complaining and bellyaching. All right, you want a king? Okay, here you go. Then they start complaining again. But he told them that a king would not be fit. I'm your king. You don't need a king. We want a king. Okay, fine. And then you get a tyrant. It's hard to be a good king because he's going to have to, like, if you ever watch Game of Thrones and stuff like that, like... Well, kings rule. They rule. That's their job. They rule over land. They they take other people's land or resources. They, you know, to, for, them, for them to reign, they need resources. And they have to get the resources from other people. And they have to have people below them. That's, that's what kings... That's how kings are. Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's the makeup of a king, is to control, have servants, uh, reign, gain gain power, and uh, 
give those gifts to their, you know, their their children, and they reign and do the same thing. Yeah. Moving on, Wiley College announces a new accredited film degree at Nate Parker Summer Film Institute. Now, this is in uh, Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, Nate Parker was the brother that made one of the, to me, one of the greatest revolutionary, one of the greatest revolutionary leaders that we had to put in work. Big shout out to Nat Turner. Big shout out to John Brown. A lot of people don't want to talk about John Brown. You hear more about King than John Brown, but John Brown kind of set the stage, you know, um, for anti-slavery. He was one of our heroes that they rarely want to give credit because he put in work on white supremacists heavy. And he was a white man. Yeah, John Brown did. And Nat Turner put in work on white supremacists heavy. They need to make a John Brown movie. But Nate Parker directed, um, what, what was the movie called? It was, uh, I don't know. I bought it. I forgot what it was called. That's a damn shame. It was called, uh, we want to get this right. We want to put extra respect on this movie's name. All right, The Birth of a Nation. It didn't really get the, the respect it deserved because, you know, they brought back, they said he raped some woman back in 99 or, and she committed suicide in 2012. Or whatever. He was acquitted. He was not guilty. But because of this, uh, you know, this Me Too stuff that started kind of going on, you know, he got wrapped up in that. Now, I don't know if he did it or not. He was acquitted. He was not guilty. But they didn't want to support the film. Now, the film had a budget of $8.5 million. It made 16.8. It's kind of a hard film to watch, but it's, it's, you got to watch this film. You know, they got this new Harriet uh, one, but I think, I don't know. I seen, I seen the trailer. She looked real scared. Whitewashed. Yeah, it looked real whitewashed. Like, you know. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go see it or not. You know, I had like a little spat with people on Facebook about it. You know, she looked real scared. And then she started talking about Harriet was a myth. This is the actor that was saying it, talking about a myth. I'm like, don't you ever disrespect Harriet Tubman. Our she wasn't no damn myth. How dare her. Don't, don't say she's a myth. But see, that's why we need, that's what I'm saying. We got to get some foundational black Americans in there. That, or if we get some of our brothers from Africa, they need to re put some respect on our ancestors' names, and they need to get some some cultural education, and I'll and I'll do that my damn self if I have to. But you gonna put some respect on Harriet's name? Don't call her no myth. She wasn't no mermaid. She wasn't a fictional person. She wasn't fictitious. Harriet put in work, and to be quite honest, Nat Nat and John Brown put in work, and Birth of a Nation should have been even bigger than Selma. You know, whenever they, you notice that whenever they get black films and they put them out on the market, whenever they get black folks to really put in some work and wasn't, and wasn't no, well, I'm scared and I don't want to, I's got the votes and all, I's got to get some butter biscuits with some KFCs. <laughs> butter biscuits. Don't, don't, no, don't make them too mad now. When they get those type of films out there, they get some real passive, you know what I'm saying? But when you get some guys that put in some work, they don't want to put them films in there too heavy they don't want to market that because they gonna you know the black folks getting on cold they like uh, i don't know but you know it was a good movie man and i think black folks should have supported it even more you know but like i said he got wrapped up in that me too thing the film is the film if we want to get technical 
all the Weinstein movies, half y'all niggas shouldn't be watching if that's the case. If we really want to get technical, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of there's a lot of pedophiles in in Hollywood that people go out and support. They don't say nothing about them. They're extra quiet. But you know, when black folks get these 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 um these charges on there, everybody wants to, well, I don't want to watch it. You know, but you but you'll go but you'll go pander under a scared looking Harriet. She looked terrified. Every t- every picture that I seen of Harriet, Harriet didn't look scared. If you see this new movie trailer, I might watch it. I might support it. But this new movie trailer, she looks scared. She looks scared in every scene. And I'm like, that don't sound like the spirit of Dirty Harriet. Harriet look Harriet looked like she looked determined. Every time you see Harriet Tubman, she looked like she's getting ready to put in some work. She didn't look scared. She wasn't bucking her eyes and doing all that. You know, but like I said, this birth of a nation, he was putting in work. John Brown put in work. As a matter of fact, John Brown went to uh, Harriet and said, hey, I'm about to get ready to do a raid on these plantations. She was sick, so she couldn't go. He went to Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass got scared. He flat out told him, I'm scared. So, you know, and... Frederick, he put in a lot of work, so maybe he was just kind of like, you know what, let me just live the rest of my life. But John Brown came to Frederick like, man, we about to put in work. Are I, you with it? I think I think Mr. Douglas had a different style, and it wasn't, he wasn't the right guy for that mission. And I think yeah. everybody has their place, and, you know, especially with our history, everybody has a place to do what they feel is right, and you got certain people for certain, right? You know, but Harriet, Harriet probably would have went. Her, I think Harriet would have took that field trip if, 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 if she was sick. So you know, she didn't already put in the work, but she was sick. She couldn't go. But I think if if she wasn't sick, Harriet would have went with John Brown to put that work in, and she probably would have rallied. Cause see, one thing that Harriet said was. She could have saved more enslaved black folks if she could have convinced them that they were slaves. She went to free a lot of black folks and they wouldn't go. I was like the butter biscuits. I just can't go. Master don't want me to leave. You see, you had, you know, you had that social engineered slave mentality. They didn't want to, they didn't want to leave. They were, you know, but hey, man, I, hey, I think I'm going to get this film again. But no, that brother, uh, Nate Parker, he... He went down to Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, and he got a film institute, you know. And if y'all, I'm saying, if, if they if they can support Weinstein, then they can support Nate. Weinstein, Weinstein, Epstein, all all these all these all these pedophiles, these white pedophiles in Hollywood, they're not getting the Bill Cosby R. Kelly treatment, and the Me Too movement is silent. They're not saying a word, if you ever noticed that. So, um, got a couple more topics and we'll wrap it up. Louisiana, there's a unusually high um, cancer that's been found. Uh, down here in uh, Reserve, Louisiana, there's a lot of toxic emissions from a chemical factory. And I believe that there was a lot of toxic chemicals coming from. See, that's another thing they hit us with is these in, in environmental biohazardous attacks on black folks. Um, these uh, petrochemical factories, there's toxic pollution coming from the petrochemical factories. And 
um, there's a, uh, a series on The Guardian called Cancer Town, and it chronicles the fight for clean air. So this is a predominantly black town, um, a lot of human rights violations, um, and that's going on. If you look at it right here, it says Norco, Louisiana. So um, it says communities in the area between New Orleans and Baton Rouge are often referred as Cancer Alley due to the concentration of toxic pollution from petrochemical factories. So, you know, the cancer rate is double the expected rate within a 1.5 kilometer radius of the Pontchartrain Works Factory. So that means everybody that lives around here all on that river, they're finding out a lot of these black folks is getting cancer. This should be headline news. Just like ICE, this should be headline news. This is another violation of our Constitution, a blatant violation of the, of the 1866 Civil Rights Act. You know, um, well, once again, we're supposed to be in a protected class. You know, when we get down and we start looking at these environmental, environmental uh, annihilation and disequity, you know, that, that's another thing that we need to look at, too. Um, Forbes did an article, okay, and I seen this at work, and they were saying that the equity problem with saying college isn't for everyone, and they start talking about, um, even if you do have a degree, you know, and you're a black person, if you have a degree, you're going to be making more money, Right? But one thing that they're not talking about is this. A lot of times when you get these degrees, before you get the degree, you're unqualified. Then you get the degree and you're overqualified. Right? In the early 1900s, after slavery, black folks started getting degrees. Right? And what ended up happening was they were ended up getting these degrees, bro, where high school, white high school dropouts were still getting jobs that black folks couldn't get. So let's fast forward 100 years from, from then. You still have a lot of black folks with master's degrees. I know because a lot of them went through the Urban League to apply for technical jobs. So when they use this old, you got to have a degree crap, that's a, that's a load of bull. You know, you still have a lot of black folks that are qualified, but they're not getting the positions. And that doesn't have anything to do with them not being unqualified. It has to do with the, that there's racism at play. That's all it is. It's very simple. So that's one thing that this guy is not, not pointing out. You know, he's not pointing that part out. There's a lot of brothers and sisters that got degrees. They had a brother just the other day on the news that was talking about it was hard for him to find work and he had a degree, you know. So that's this whole diversity inclusion stuff. We got to watch out for that. We got to really watch out and, and, and take note for that. You know, um, tech and animation. There's an Xbox game called A Church in the Darkness. It's like a top-down game, kind of like how the old... Uh, what's that game that we used to play for many, many hours? Grand Theft. When Grand Theft first came out, it was top-down. Kind of like third, not third person, but top-down. Um, it's called a church in the darkness. So it's an open world game. Kind of, not really. It, I mean, I think it's linear, but it's certain things that you have to do. Like you're trying to get people escape from like a cult, and you're kind of running around the terrain trying to figure out where to go and 
hiding behind trees and and buildings and stuff like that. There's another game that that I've been looking to come out with. I thought about investing in it. It's called A New A Distant Light. It's like an open world sci-fi shooter. It's supposed to be really, really, really dope. But that's supposed to be coming out soon. I thought about investing in it. Um, I always got to go back and talk about Inside because that's a a, a Ditopia, a Dysotopia, uh platform game and basically you're just running around solving puzzles really really incredible graphics from play dead it came out in 2016 but i always like to highlight that game because it's a real good thinking game you know so i i highly recommend it if you haven't played it already it's, it's really dope but you probably got to get an xbox one for it you know um books we're going to recommend i know this is a long podcast for everybody but we're going to recommend some books uh, I always got to recommend Dr. Claude Anderson's books, Powernomics. Um, also, Mind Matters, a resource guide to psych, uh, psychiatry for black communities. Um, it, it's hard for especially black men to talk about, you know, a lot of problems we have. Um, I think, you know, black men and women can both benefit from this book. I'm, I'm going to order it on Amazon. And also, you know, it's a throwback from the 90s, the ISIS papers, the key to the colors. Uh, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, God bless her soul. She put a lot of work, you know, in for black folks uh, through her career. Uh, this is one of her books. Um, Hidden Colors 5 is going to be coming out on August 1st, so I got my tickets for that. So um, let's go out and support these books. Uh, I'm about to go back up here and talk about um, the black-owned businesses that you want to support. Catwalk Fierce for Makeup, www.beingblackandit.com. Um, the guide to being black on IT is on Amazon.com right now on Amazon Prime. If you want to get into the game of information technology, a walk in your true path by Nakia Pearson on Amazon. 360 Life Clothing, which is a clothing, an online clothing store. Uh, Tally and Twine Luxury Watches. Brent, I'm gonna show you these all, all these different links so you could go and order you a luxury watch. Um, www.greenroyalvideos.com. Um, that's a brother that does animation quality work. He did some work for me. Looks great. www.blackkk.co. That's a Chicago-based clothing uh, store. Great product. And also www.3150clothing.com. That's the uh, Kemetic Science Ancient Egyptian Clothing Wear. So this is your host, Bagland DP, your unapologetic Bagland host, where we showcase politics, tech, and tangibles. And I'm signing out with Mr. Pearson. Uh, and I am Mr. Pearson, co-host, uh, spitting as much truth as I can, signing off. All right, y'all. See you next week.